But I wanted to uh, talk with you about the value of human life. Well, this isn't you, just so you know. What it is, is a biologically accurate, computer-generated, three-dimensional computer animation of fertilization and human development process in the womb. And the reason why we use computer animation is because actual cameras are invasive and can endanger the baby. But remember the truth that we have all known since we were young that was infirmed, affirmed enthusiastically by one Horton the elephant. You know what he said. I'll just have to save him because after all, a person's a person no matter how small. The good news is that we can pinpoint the exact instant, the particular fraction of a second that the invisible miracle of conception takes place, in which the tiny human being, the microscopic person, first comes into being, created by the will and the work of God himself, the way that every single one of us has been before or since. What you are watching, of course, is sperm pursuing the egg. The large cell in the center is the egg, which happens to be the largest cell in the human body, and the sperm happens to be the smallest cell in the human body. How wonderful that God has knit us together in this way. The cool thing is, once the sperm penetrates the outer membrane of the egg and makes contact with the inner membrane right here, the egg chemically changes right at this moment so that the egg is no longer an egg. Now it is in the process of fertilization. The sperm has sent a chemical signal to the outside of the egg, and the sperm is going to go in, and then the egg is going to chemically change so that no other sperm can penetrate, so that you don't have two or three or a hundred sperm uniting with the egg. We call this moment fertilization, or Conception. The almighty hands of the Heavenly Father are working right here inside your mama's belly to lovingly, intimately, meticulously, and wonderfully knit and sculpt every human being as a precious person with a special sanctity that is, is superior to every other creature. You're going to see the sperm cell lysis, which means that it bursts open... And its nuclear material, so its nucleus, is going to join with the nucleus of the egg. That moment is called syngamy. And that is the moment right here at which you came into being. So, you remember from biology class, every cell in the human body has how many chromosomes? 46, except for... Reproductive cells, each of those have 23. Do you know what that means? Your body possesses a complete digestive system. Your body possesses a complete nervous system, a complete circulatory system, a complete muscular system, a complete skeletal system, but you only have half of a reproductive system. Who has the other half? Your spouse. Your spouse has the other half, right? He completes you. That's how God designed it, so that she 
completes you. And that together, their one pre reproductive system can work in the process of procreation. That's a word that we like to use, procreation, right? I know that in science we're taught to call it the reproductive system, but reproduction sounds like something that a machine does or a factory, right? It reproduces, it makes copies of things. What human beings participate in is so much more sacred and blessed, a process of procreation, right? Pro, because we get to participate in it, but we are not the ones who run it. Procreation means that that process is run by God, who is real and present even here at the very beginning in the private darkness of Mama's belly. So, the book of Job says, Forget not, O Lord, how you have made me like clay. You have poured me out like milk and curdled me like cheese. You clothed me with skin and flesh and knit me together with bones and sinews. Or in Psalm 139, perhaps you're more familiar with this, you formed my inward parts, you knit me together in my mother's womb, and I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. So we can say from the very beginning that a person's a person no matter how small. Because even at this very first stage, this is a human person. Each one of these embryos possesses its own unique genetic signature. An individual and permanent DNA fingerprint that never existed before and never will be repeated again, which scientifically identifies this as a human being. Each one of these embryos from the very beginning metabolizes for itself, reproduces for itself, and reacts to stimuli so it meets the scientific criteria for being alive. Each one directs its own development. Each one adapts to environmental variations. Each one repairs damage to itself. Each embryo regulates its own processes and coordinates the functions of all its parts for the good of the whole organism. Now, there's a reason why I go through all of this scientific terminology and criteria. Because we live in a culture that wants to label this as a clump of cells, a blob of tissue, a tumor, a parasite, an alien, an aggressive invader. Scientifically speaking, this is alive, right? It meets all of the scientific criteria for being alive. It grows, undergoes respiration, it metabolizes, and it responds to stimuli. That classifies this as alive. But this is also human. Right? One of the fundamental laws of biology is that species only reproduce after their own kinds. You know what this means? This is not a frog. It's not a lamb. It's not a rock. It's not a puppy. This is a human being. We know this to be true because its genetic makeup is 46 chromosomes. That defines it as a human being and nothing else. So this is scientifically living human, but your hair is living and it is human, but you don't have to get a permit or ask anybody for their approval to cut your hair, do you? Your fingernails are living and human, 
but the government doesn't regulate how often you cut your fingernails. What makes this unborn embryo different from your hair or your fingernails? Well, this being undergoes self-directed development. That means that the embryo directs its own growth. We saw this in the video when you saw the embryo coming down out of the fallopian tubes. Now you remember, uh, most of you have had biology class by now, right? So uh, female reproductive system kind of looks like, <laughs> right? This is the uterus. These are the fallopian tubes. And each of the fallopian tubes is holding an ovary. And that's where the ova are produced, right? That's also where fertilization happens. Sperm have to swim a very, very long way. You have come into being because God intended for you to be here. Every time your heart beats, it is because God says, let there be life. If you need a reminder that God loves you and he wants you to be here, all you have to do is take a breath. If you breathe in oxygen and breathe out carbon dioxide, it is because Jesus died on the cross to atone for your sins and God the Father in his heavenly work of creation has willed you into being. If he withdrew that will for one second, you and I would cease to be. You are a victory. You are a triumph. You are a miraculous work of God. So sperm swims all the way up the reproductive, reproductive track, all the way up the fallopian tubes into the, uh, the ovaries where the one egg is released. And then God takes a little piece of mommy and a little piece of daddy and he puts them together and you are formed. And then you travel down the fallopian tubes into the womb or the uterus, which is where you're going to live for the next nine months of your life. The cool thing is the embryo, or the, yes, the embryo brings his own translator, okay? The embryo grows the placenta. What the heck's a placenta? Well, it turns out that mom's body is on the lookout for foreign invaders. What does mom's body want to do to foreign invaders? Kill them, destroy them. So... The embryo has to bring a translator. Embryo brings a passport along. That's what the placenta is. The placenta will be the first organ that the embryo grows. So the first organ that your body produced was placenta. It was not mom's organ. The placenta belongs to you. And placenta is kind of the translator, the interface that communicates with mom's body and makes it so that mom's antibodies don't destroy the embryo. You see, the embryo may be a visitor, a guest in mom's body, but the embryo is a polite guest. What the heck? Are we going to have to do this all? The embryo is a polite guest because it brings along all of its own equipment. And so when the it is the embryo that implants in the wall of the uterus, which is where the embryo lives. It is not mom's uterus that makes a place for the embryo to live. It is the embryo who decides where the embryo is going to live. So, um, 
The embryo's growth is directed by itself. It adapts to environmental variations. So when the chemical makeup of uh, mom's belly changes, the embryo is able to adapt to that so that's not destroyed. The embryo is able to repair damage to herself. The embryo regulates her own processes and coordinates all the different functions of its parts for the good of the whole, right? Tumors also grow and undergo respiration and respond to stimuli. The difference between a tumor and an embryo is, if a tumor is left to itself, it will just get bigger forever and take over for everything, right? The mature form or final form of a tumor is a real big tumor. Tumors don't develop, they just grow. The final form of an embryo is an adult. Left to itself, the embryo will continue to grow and develop into its mature form. And it does this all on its own. Which means we are dealing with an organism, not a part of a, another organism. So according to the scientific definition, already at this stage, you are a living human being. You are not a blob of tissue a clump of cells, a parasite, a tumor, or part of somebody else's body. You are your own being. But of course you continue to grow. Each one of these embryos instructs mom's body not to menstruate anymore, not to reject or attack the new resident. Each one of these, even at this point, would be visible to the unaided eye if it weren't hidden inside mom's body. A person is a person no matter how small because at two weeks gestation, before mom even knows she's pregnant, the embryo has developed a top and a bottom, a front and a back, a left and a right that will persist for the rest of her life. By 17 days, baby has produced blood cells, and one day later, by the 18th day of gestation, baby's cardiac cells have begun to beat. At 23 days, the little one has formed the primitive brain and spinal cord, and the next day, the heart has found its rhythm. This is important to remember because this is before mom even knows she's pregnant. She may suspect, but... Mom hasn't missed her period yet, so she doesn't know for sure, right? 23 days uh, since what we say LMP, last menstrual period, that's how we measure pregnancies. Um, and usually monthly cycle runs about 30 days, and sometimes they can be irregular. So it might be six weeks before mom thinks, well, maybe it's time to take a pregnancy test. The embryo in mom's belly is always growing, always moving from the very beginning. It's never just sitting there. The cells are always doing something, always developing into what God has created it to be. God is knitting together cell by cell over the course of nine months. You can already see where the head is located. Now, this here along the bottom, that's not a tail. You never had a tail in mom's belly. 
Some science books and some science teachers will try to tell you you had a tail in mom's belly and that as you grew, you didn't need that tail anymore, so it fell away. This is not your tail. This is your spinal cord. It's just that the spinal cord is so important that it grew faster than the rest of you. So you had to catch up to it. But you can see little heart beating. That heart has its own pulse rate. And by now we are just four weeks after the instantaneous miracle of conception. This miniature body has differentiated and positioned all the vital organs and has begun putting out arms, legs, and baby's own reproductive cells. Another important point to make. You don't become a boy or a girl in mama's belly. You always were a boy or a girl from the very beginning. Your sex is determined by your chromosomes. And that is set from the very beginning. So we've now made it into the second month of gestation. And by the seventh week, this is when most moms are becoming aware of the fact that they are with child. The unborn infant has a complete skeleton with over 4,000 distinct anatomical parts that equal 90% of the structures found in adults. And this baby is made up of over 1 billion cells. This baby also has electrical brainwave patterns, has pain and pressure receptors. This is another important point to make. Pain and pressure receptors, right? That means baby can feel when damage is done. Most abortions take place in weeks zero to 10. At the latest point in that time period, weeks eight through 10, baby can feel pain. Baby can feel when the chemical abortion pill shuts off the placenta so that baby doesn't get nutrients or oxygenated blood anymore. And if baby doesn't receive any more oxygenated blood, baby suffocates. Because baby has pain and pressure receptors, baby feels that. Baby can feel in a dilation and evacuation abortion when the doctor's forceps are pulling on the different parts of baby to get them out of mom's womb. At only two months, all of the organs are operating. Even baby's breathing apparatuses expand and contract. Now, baby doesn't breathe in mama's belly uh, for two reasons. Number one, the lung tissues are not developed enough. Um, so your lung tissue is kind of like wet Kleenex. And so you can imagine that it's very fragile. This is why babies who are born prematurely don't survive. It's not because their organs don't work right. It's simply because their lung tissue is too fragile. And when baby goes to breathe, that lung tissue then tears apart. 
but baby doesn't need to breathe. Um, secondly, baby can't breathe because uh, baby lives in water. Mom's womb is full of water. This helps keep baby's fragile skin from experiencing too much pain or pressure. It also helps cushion baby from baby's own movements or the movements of mom's body. It also helps regulate temperature. Baby doesn't need to breathe because the placenta, uh, through the umbilical cord, supplies oxygen from mom's body. As the placenta does three things. Number one, it brings blood that has fresh oxygen in it. Number two, it brings blood that has nutrients in it. And number three, it takes the blood that has no more oxygen left and also the solid wastes out of baby's body and filters them through mom's own waste cleaning system. But I did say solid waste, right? Uh, what happens to the liquid waste? Baby's not wearing a diaper, so you can't change baby's diaper. So baby just pees into the amniotic sac. Baby swims around in... So for nine months before you were born, you got to swim in your own pee. It gets better, though. Here's the really cool thing. Sensory cells are sending messages along complex networks of nerves. Already by two months, baby's nervous system is working, and a person is a person no matter how small, because by the next week, nine weeks gestation, baby can swallow fluid. Yeah, I want to let that sink in a minute. Now, baby doesn't need to swallow food because all the food is coming from mom's body. So what does baby swallow? Amniotic fluid. What's in there? Yeah, so before you were born, you drank your own pee. It's not that bad. It really isn't. Uh, important survival tip. Urine is sterile. Do you know that? You know what sterile means? It doesn't have any germs in it, right? Urine is sterile. Nothing can survive in, in urine. It's got toxins in it. Um, urine is sterile. So... If you find yourself trapped in a desert island <clears throat> with no fresh water, here's what you need to do. You tear off a little piece of your shirt and you use it to make kind of a, a bowl. You put some sand in there and you wrap it all up. Then you pee on that lump, right? And then you squeeze it all out into a cup or a container and the sand will filter out the toxins and you can drink that. It's a very important lesson that you might need someday. <laughs> also, at nine weeks, baby can stick out her tongue. He or she will grasp at objects like the umbilical cord, sometimes suck her thumb. And even at this point, baby has a preference for the right thumb or the left thumb. And that preference persists throughout your lifetime. So the thumb that you liked to suck on the most in mama's belly is probably on the hand that you write with today. Baby's distinguishing... Uh oh This baby's a boy. <laughs> I told you, you don't become a boy or a girl. You've been a boy or a girl. That baby's a girl. 
since the beginning. Babies distinguishing fingerprints appear at week 10. Same time baby begins yawning and rolling over. Permanent teeth and fingernails begin coming out when baby is 12 weeks old. And as early as 14 weeks, mama feels the baby move. And like I said, baby continually moves in mama's belly. I think it is interesting the metaphor that the psalmist uses for how God created us. So let me stop here and let's remember back to the beginning of Genesis, right? You remember the first three verses of the book of Genesis, which you should all have committed to memory. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. What? Then what? There was light just like that. See, God has that kind of power. His word is very powerful. Whatever he says happens. I wish I had that power, that I could say pizza, and there'd be a pizza right here. But my word doesn't work that way. God's word does work that way. And as a matter of fact, that's how God created for the first five and a half days of creation. He said, let there be sky and pow, there were skies and let there be dry ground and let the waters be gathered and let there be uh, vegetation and let there be birds in the air and beasts in the field and creeping things that creep along the ground and let the sea teem with living creatures. And it happened just like that. But when God came to the point of creating human beings, it changes, Right? We go on to the second chapter of Genesis and we are told the Lord God formed the man out of what? The dust of the ground. How did he do that? God rolled up his sleeves and actually got his hands dirty. He made physical contact with human flesh. That's a privilege that he did not grant to any other creature. And then what does it say? God breathed into the man's nostrils what? the breath of life, and man became a living being. Think about that. When the man opened his eyes for the first time, he felt the hot breath of God on his own face, and he knew how beloved he was. When God sets about to make the first woman, it becomes even more intricate, right? The Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs. God had to perform a surgery to make a woman. This is important, actually important to remember. I love how God balances things out, right? So the man God made first. But what is the man made out of? Dirt. Now the woman was made second. So you might think she's inferior, like an afterthought. But what is the woman made out of? She's made out of people. It's way better to be made out of people stuff than to be made out of dirt. So God sort of balances it all out so that the man doesn't think he's better than the woman and the woman doesn't think she's better than the man. Both are equally valuable to and beloved by God. And then God says, be fruitful and multiply. And the psalmist tells us that it's not just Adam and Eve who were created in God's image. It is every human being, right? For you formed my inward parts. And this metaphor that he uses is so wonderful. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Does anybody in here knit? No knit. We got a couple of knitters, right? You know what knitting is though, right? You know how it works. What do you need in order to be able to knit? You got to have these two long pointy sticks and 
a boatload of string. And what do you do with that string? You wrap it around one of the sticks, you wrap it around another stick, and then you tie it in a knot. And then guess what? You wrap some more, and you tie another knot. You just keep tying knots. That's how knitting works. And eventually, if you tie enough knots right, you'll end up with a sock. The problem is, knitting is a very meticulous, painstaking, time-consuming task. Because if you're just, I don't know, watching Jeopardy, and you're tying knots and not paying attention because that Alex Trebek is so handsome, and all of a sudden you tie a wrong knot, but you don't notice until Jeopardy's over, you end up not with a sock but a potholder. Like, oh, I thought I was making a sock. And then you have to go back and find the problem where the wrong knot was tied. And what do you have to do? You have to rip the whole thing out and start over. So knitting requires careful attention. And this is what the psalmist tells us is how God put you together. God took nine months to form you and every other human life in your mother's womb. Not because he couldn't have just snapped his fingers or clapped his hands or sprinkled magic dust or said the magic word and you would have appeared fully formed as an adult, but because God said to himself, oh, I'm gonna take my time because I like this. This is something I don't wanna run the risk of messing up. And so God takes nine months, one cell at a time to put you together, but not just you. God also invested the same amount of time and care into the really irritating person next to you. And the mean people, and even the people who are not believing Christians, God invested that same amount of time and care in because they are precious. What does that tell us? It tells us every human life is a precious treasure to God from the very beginning. During week 18, baby may open eyes for the first time. Baby also has vocal cords that are capable of crying. Why can't you hear baby cry? Because they're underwater. Yep. Now, by 21 weeks gestation, a little more than halfway through the pregnancy, baby can smile, baby can laugh, baby can hiccup. Baby will blink instinctively at loud sounds, just like you blink at loud sounds. Baby experiences rapid eye movements associated with dreaming, and with intensive care and support, by week 21, baby can survive outside of the womb. And yet it is still legal in many places in our country to put baby to death. A person's a person no matter how small. At six months, baby can taste what mom eats. Our children didn't like onions. Baby will wrinkle her nose at a smell she doesn't like. By week 28, baby can tell the difference between high-pitched sounds and low ones. I just have one minute left and then I'm all done. 26-week-old eyes can produce their own tears. 28 weeks, baby's eyes can react to bright light. 29 weeks, baby starts making memories. Baby also practices taking steps and performs somersaults within the womb. And the final thing that baby does in mom's belly is send the chemical signal that it's time to be born. It's not mom who decides... 
It's baby who decides when to be born. You're looking at yourself. You're looking at how much God loves every single one of your neighbors. You're looking at our Lord Jesus Christ who became flesh and dwelt among us. That's how much God loves every human being. I just want to leave you with this question. If that is true, that every human life is precious, no matter how old, no matter what they look like, no matter what they can do, no matter even if they only live for a minute, what does that tell us about how we treat them? Hooray! Baby is born. You made it to the end. You're a winner. Thank you very much for your attendance, attention, and participation.